In the previous episode. Did you ever find that for some people, food doesn't really make that much of a difference when you identify nutrient imbalances and then you supplement them with foods that are really high and they still show deficiency signs? Well, it could be their genes. So knowing this helps you when you know their genes, when you know the variants that are related to nutrient balance, you get to know how much to supplement or know that when you supplement, you're going to have to keep checking and keep increasing the supplementation. Welcome to reinvent healthcare, a podcast for health and wellness practitioners passionately committed to transforming our current broken disease focused system. Your host, Dr. Rita Marie Los Calzo, is devoted to helping you get results with complex health challenges like autoimmune, hormonal imbalances, and chronic health challenges caused by nutritional and lifestyle-induced imbalances. Here's your host, Dr. Rita Marie. to reinvent healthcare, the podcast for health and wellness practitioners who are passionate about making a difference. I've been studying genetics and using it in practice for over 12 years. This theme of the last few episodes of the reinvent healthcare podcast has been about genetics and epigenetics. And over the years, I've gathered so many questions that I'm often asked by both practitioners and clients alike. So what I'd like to do in this final episode in the Nutrigenomics and Epigenetics series is to just run through some of those questions, which may be on your mind as well. If you're a health practitioner who really wants to help people to get well, not to just cover up symptoms, not to just apply protocols, whether nutritional or pharmaceutical, we are doing a live event that's just right for you. It's called Functional Nutrigenomics in Clinical Practice, and it's all about how you can learn the genetic testing you can do with people to help you to personalize their diet and lifestyle plans. And when you put that together with your typical really great functional history and lab testing, you're going to have all you need. So join us for an online virtual event that you can attend from anywhere. It's June 2nd to 4th, 2023. And you can get there by going to nesliveconference.com. That's nesliveconference.com. And we'll also put the link on the show notes page. And by the way, if you've missed any of the other previous episodes, just go back to reinventhealthcare.com and you'll be able to see and access all of them. They've all been loaded with great information. One of the most common questions I get all the time is what's the best genetic test? So a lot of people have heard of 23andMe. They've been around for a long time. They even advertise on football games. They're that popular, yet they've become unpopular with a lot of people in the functional medicine space because they got bought out by a drug company. And we're concerned, people are concerned and rightly so that a lot of their information may not be as private as they would like and that the genetic information that is found when we do the testing is going to be shared with drug companies for research and whoever else. And even if it's anonymous, some people are concerned about that. What I generally tell people is that I still use and recommend 23andMe because I haven't found a good replacement. And I'll explain to you why in a few moments. 
what I tell people to do is put an anonymous name on the test itself. So there's a separation between the test kit and the requisition for it, where you pay for it. Because you can buy kits for everybody. You can go in and buy like 10 kits for Christmas presents. It's associated with your name. But then when the people send them in, the test sample is then associated with their name. So I tell people that you can put in Mickey Mouse or Donald Duck if you want. You could keep it anonymous. So I still use 23andMe. The reason I do, even though they've taken out so many of the SNPs that I really like to look at, is that it's easy to run it through various reports. I do not like the reporting that 23andMe provides. I think it's just generic and it doesn't give people very good information. But what we do then is we run it through various reports. One of my favorite reports is genetic detoxification. And that was the report that was created by Christy Sutton, who was one of our guests on a previous episode. So I highly recommend you go back and listen to that episode. That's a nice report because it's a subset of genes, but it's set up in a way that's very organized. So it makes it really easy to look at and to analyze and explain to people. The upside of that report is the simplicity. And there's a book that she wrote that you can actually cross-reference. So next to each of the findings on that report is a little page XYZ to XYZ, right? So you can go to those pages and read more about it. So it makes it a really nice report for the general public, as well as for practitioners to just keep up with the latest information and only really have to memorize, learn those things that you're finding in your patient population. So I really like that one. Although it is missing, the downside of it, it's missing some, it's not as extensive as I would like on GI, gut related SNPs. It's also not as extensive as I would like on blood sugar. There's some of them, but I've discovered, I don't know, 50 or more different blood sugar SNPs that could be important in helping to determine people's susceptibility to insulin resistance and glucose dysregulation. So that's some of the reports. There's also something called self-decode, and Self-Decode allows you to upload your 23andMe data, but you can also run their own report. Like they have their genetic testing. I haven't done that yet. I plan to, but I haven't done it yet because I just have so many genetic reports that I've tested and so many genetic tests I've done that it's just not one that I've gotten around to yet. But the thing I like about Self-Decode is that they have a lot of great information. They have a lot of really descriptive information about the various findings, the various SNPs that you find, and it's organized in a way that you can read and understand. But what they don't have is my summary list. What I really love about genetic detoxification and a couple of others that I'm going to tell you about is that they don't give you a summary list like genetic detoxification, for example, does where it says, here's all the phase one liver detox genes, and here's the phase two methylation genes, and here's the gut-related. Well, they don't have a gut-related. Let me take that one back. Here's the brain-related. And then they list the various SNPs and what the person's findings are, whether it's their green, meaning their wild type normal or most common, or red, meaning, you know, it's homozygous, gotten a SNP from both parents, and uh, or yellow, meaning they got a SNP from one parent. So it doesn't give you the nice summary. So you kind of have to dig a little bit more in order to find some of the overview so you know where to hone in with each particular person. Another one that I like a lot 
but it's limited is Stratagene. And Stratagene for a while offered their own tests, but it became too cumbersome and they decided not to anymore. But they'll take in 23andMe data and they'll also take it in if you go through self-decode. They have a report that's pretty limited. It's not as many genes and it's not as many widely diverse genes. A lot of methylation genes, a lot of genes related to neurotransmitters, but not a whole lot of the other genes, but it's a nice report as well. So that's a strategy. Another one that's really just kind of basic, but very complete is it, it'll take the 23andMe data and it'll give you like a 40 page report of all the different SNPs in various categories. But it's like got a lot of genes that have not had as much clinical study. So, but it's a good report to have. And I like having it. I have it on myself. I like having it on other people because it's kind of complete. And if I read about a gene, I can run to that report and say, oh, I wonder if I have that gene. Now, none of them, 23andMe, doesn't run all of the SNPs that we know about. So sometimes you might be researching and you find a particular SNP and you go to look it up on one of these reports or it's not there. So there's a couple of ways that you can get that. So if it's something that 23andMe did test for, you can go into the raw data and start to snoop around in the raw data. So when you look at the 23andMe raw data, if you see, say, a GT, two different letters there, two different nucleotides, then you know that it's a heterozygous SNP right? They got one good one and one not so good one from the parents. If it's the same, if it's GG or TT, 23andMe doesn't really tell us which one of those is the risk allele. So we kind of have to guess and start to look around and do some searches in other places. So that's the downside of having to look at the raw data. That's why I love these reports, because they tell us what's the risk allele and what's the normal, what's called the wild type. So Going back to reports, I like to do multiple reports on people when I do a 23andMe. And if I've done just a self-decode or if they, if that person has done just a self-decode, well, we don't have that option. You can still look at the raw data, but it's just a little bit, you know, it's just a little harder to get a summary. So we talked about we talked about three so far, three different reports, tests that we can run. So Going back and summarizing the tests, I usually use 23andMe. Self-decode is another good option. The problem with the self-decode is you can't take their data and put it into many of these other reports. So I talked about genetic detoxification. The other downside of that is it only accepts 23andMe. It doesn't accept Ancestry.com. It doesn't accept anything from the self-decode or any of the other processes that are out there. There are a bunch of other genetic tests that you can do. I've tested out several of them on myself. The problem is I just don't believe that they are as clinically useful. They may be good for the end user to kind of get a sense of what's going on, but they're interpreting them. So for example, there's one that's relatively new and they're advertising all over the place. But what their thing is, is they give you these little videos of each of the SNPs that they find or each of the areas. So they'll say, okay, neurotransmitters, and then they give you these videos, but they don't actually, it's hard to find the actual SNPs themselves. Like what is the, the gene and what are the risk alleles and the, the normal alleles? But the problem I have with a lot of these is that they're doing it 
from the standpoint of here's what your genes say, here's what you should do. Here's what your genes say. Here are the supplements you should take. Here's what your genes say. Here's some of the exercises you should do. But it's not so black and white like that. When we as clinicians look at the genetics, we're looking at it in the full picture. We're looking at it in light of what symptoms are these people having. We're looking at it in light of what's their lab findings, right? I've seen this happen where people go to well-meaning doctors who go, let's test your genes, and they test MTHFR. And they say, oh, you have a problem with MTHFR. I want you to take methylfolate and methyl B12. And a lot of times they give them these huge doses that then put people, the, the susceptible people, because they have other genes that are problematic, they put them into a state of anxiety or other or worse. So we really have to look at genetic testing as a part of the whole. We have to look at genetic testing in addition to all the other stuff we're doing, like taking a really good history, looking at their symptoms, looking at nutrient deficiencies, and looking at lab testing to see if this person is actually has this gene turned on or off. So in summary of the best tests and the best reports, the test that I still run is 23andMe. I like the idea of the self-decode. The problem is it doesn't run through the other reports. So we can't get that really nice summary report. The reports, strategy, limited mostly to methylation and neurotransmitter type things. Genetic detoxification, really beautifully organized, and it has a book to go along with it to give you even more details about each of the SNPs. And then there's another one from Metabolic Healing, which is also nicely laid out. And again, none of these has everything. I wish we had a test that tested all the SNPs that we know about that are clinically relevant. And then I wish there was a report that had the best of everything, but there isn't. So currently my thing is I run the 23andMe. I might tell them to run the self-decode if they already have that. Then I run genetic detoxification, my favorite one, because it's simple and easy to explain, but I also run metabolic healing and sometimes also strategine. And then the other one I was telling you about that was 49 pages long is from MTHFR support. So for you as a practitioner, what I recommend is that you get yourself tested and you get both of those tests done, the 23andMe and you get the self-decode. Then you run yourself through all of the reports so that you have a good compilation of what it is and you find out what works best, like what's going to make the most sense with your avatar and your patient population. Now, if you want more information, the work I did in the back end is phenomenal because I did all this crazy charts that are based on a lot of the SNPs that are in the genetic detoxification to start, and then I added a whole lot more. So I have these amazing charts that summarize the most important genes for each of the particular body systems. So I have one for brain, I have one for gut, I have one for thyroid, I have one for energy metabolism and mitochondria, I have one for estrogen metabolism, and a whole lot more. We're still working on those. The complete set is never going to be complete because the research still goes on. But if you check the show notes page, you can get all of those charts in the genetics bundle, the nutrigenomics bundle. 
So those are the things I hear from people. I also get asked, what are some good books? Well, I really like Chrissy Sutton's book called Genetic Testing, Defining Your Path to a Personalized Health Plan. And it's really well done. Again, not complete. It never is. She has some additional stuff on her website and none of the stuff is complete. I think that Dirty Genes by Ben Lynch is an amazing book. And Trainings by Ben Lynch, if you're a practitioner, the trainings by Ben Lynch are really good. You can go on his site and you can look at that. It's very detailed. That's why I say be a practitioner. If you're not, if you're just the general user listening to this and wanting to get more genetic information, go to his book, Dirty Genes, but his trainings are probably going to be way too deep. Another question I get from practitioners that I want to address here is how do you explain the findings so as not to scare people? You don't want to look at their genes and say, oh my God, you have an ApoE44, you have a high risk of Alzheimer's and heart disease. Like that's not the way you want to talk to people, right? So you're going to scare them. They may not even come back. They may say, oh, I just give up. I'm just going to go eat Twinkies the rest of my life because I'm doomed anyway, right? You want to explain things to people in a way that's empowering. One of my first podcasts in this series was about the five most motivating genes. And listen to that one for ideas of how we explain things to people. In the case of an ApoE44, I might explain that to someone in a way that says, hey, you've got this gene. You might read about this. You might be seeing things online. Now that you know you have it, you might be tempted to go online and read about it. And yeah, there's an increased risk of heart disease and Alzheimer's when you have this gene. But here's the good news. You're Diet and lifestyle choices can alter the expression of that gene, can reduce your risk dramatically when you take care of the factors. And so that's the piece I want you to explain to them about. And that's how you get them engaged in your coaching, in your service, because then you say, I can help you to put together a protective diet and lifestyle plan that so that this is not going to be an issue for you. So that's the way I would explain the various genes to people. With the, like something like the FUT2, which we talked about in several of the episodes, that one's related to gut and the body's ability to actually feed the microbiome, specifically bifidobacter. So I say, hey, this is good news that we know about this. So we want you to really focus on getting your daily probiotic foods or taking a bifidobacter probiotic. So there's a case where you can empower them to actually do some of the things you were going to tell them to do anyway, but now that they see it in their genes, they know. Another common question I get mostly from clients because they've seen doctors or they've read just a little bit about it is how much B12 and folate should I take or from practitioners, how much should I recommend if I have the MTHFR gene? First of all, I don't believe in a this for a that. I don't believe in suggesting supplementation based on particular SNPs. We have to look at the big picture. And what kind of folate, what kind of B12, all of those are dictated not just by the MTHFR gene, but by all the other genes and whether they have a calm T gene and tendency to have anxiety. So really you cannot, cannot, cannot do a this for that approach with SNP for supplement. Even Dr. Ben Lynch, who does the testing and he has the report and he has a supplement company, he recommends against that. He said, really, I could actually make a very lucrative business if I just gave these people the reports and said, you need to take this, 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 and this, and then sold them the supplements. 
but it doesn't work that way. So there are a number of companies that are doing that and want to sell you the supplements and say they're going to customize it to you. That doesn't work. It really doesn't work. It might work to an extent, but it doesn't work for everybody and it's not the magic bullet. I'll tell you a quick story about what happened to me many years ago. I ran a report. I uploaded my raw data to a company that was Amy Yasko's company, and she's done a lot of great research and does a lot of great work with kids with autism. So I ran my report, my uh, genes through it, and it comes out with a report that was, I don't know, seven pages long telling me all the supplements I needed. It was just based on my SNPs. And of course, based on my SNPs, I should be a basket case. I should be in the, you know, the Looney Tunes ward because I have all these brain SNPs. I have all these immune system SNPs. Yet I'm perfectly healthy and happy and full of energy. Why? Take care of the factors that affect the epigenetics and the manifestation of those genes. So we can't do that right? You cannot do it in isolation. That's why having a consultation with you, using genes as part of your program with people. But frankly, I'll tell you from my own perspective, a lot of the stuff you know how to do, if you can get them to do it from a healthy diet lifestyle, get their pillars balanced, you're going to get tremendous results. And then maybe have to look at the genes for the fine tuning, right? For those factors you're not seeing. So in my case, I decided long before the genome project that my family had bad genes. I just decided that because there were no old people. The ones people that did as they aged, they got cancer, heart disease, diabetes. And I thought, okay, I'm going to take care of myself to the best of my ability. And I've done my best to be as pristine as possible. Obviously, I can't be 100%. We live in this world and obviously I'm human. So I may not always be 100%. But I've managed to, by changing those diet and lifestyle factors by knowing what to do and testing, I've been able to turn my health completely around from what it was when I was around 30 when I made this decision. Then when I got my genes, I felt really grateful that I'd made that decision early on. When I saw what was in my genes and some of the risk factors that I actually had, it made me really grateful that I made that decision early on and continue to. When I got the genes though, I started to be even more careful about certain areas. I found out I had the FUT2 genes, not just one or two. I had a whole bunch of them. And I realized, okay, I've got to focus on my daily probiotics. And that's part of me. I have all kinds of brain snips so that I got dedicated to focusing on daily meditation, daily heart math right? Daily exercise, avoiding gluten and all of that stuff, which showed up in my genes. So use the genes and the nutrigenomics properties and balancing epigenetics as part of your regime, as part of your assessment piece, but not the be all and the end all. And don't fall into the trap of wanting to just supplement, supplement, supplement based on what they have in their genes. So I thank you for listening in to this series on genes. It's been a really pleasure to put this together. I want to direct you back to our free guide, the reinventhealthcare.com forward slash genes. It's packed with valuable information about the genetic SNPs that you can use to inspire and motivate your clients to become well. I use the genes mostly as a motivational factor because most of the stuff that I see in there, I kind of guessed at because of my 30 plus years of experience, but it's a great tool. It's a super tool. 
And I really love having the ability to use it. So the more you master the art of teaching and empowering patients to use the power of nutrition and lifestyle to optimize their genetic expression, whatever it might be, the better your results are going to be. And when you have those tools, you can empower them to achieve their health and wellness goals. When you do, you're going to feel fulfilled and your practice will thrive. And that's what we're here for. We're here to help people, but also to be able to make a living doing so. So remember to download the Nutrigenomics Guide at reinventhealthcare.com forward slash genes. And until next time, shine on. Thank you for listening to the Reinvent Healthcare podcast. Join the movement of practitioners that are guiding people to actually get well rather than covering up their symptoms. Connect with us at reinventhealthcare.com to access resources and tools that will empower you to create a thriving health practice.